Welcome to Trailer Therapy, a podcast about trailers, media, and entertainment hosted by your two best frenemies. Hey, I'm your host, Brian Wynn, along with my fellow host, Brian McKinney. Hi, I'm Brian McKinney. Welcome back to Trailer Therapy. We're on episode six. Are we, though? <laughs> it, it feels like the last month has been somewhat a catch-up game, and... uh we got to give you massive kudos because you're the one that's been editing all these episodes. And I feel like everyone should know that because you are the heart of trailer therapy right now. It's tough with us, man. We've both got families. We both have jobs and we're the only time we're finding to record these lately is like Sunday night, two hours before they're supposed to be (laughs) up on the internet. They are getting, they're getting, tighter and tighter in terms of when they are supposed to drop and when we actually record them. But I think this particular week it was okay because trailers were kind of trickling in all throughout the week and stuff. And if we had filmed this a little early, we might've missed one or two of them. So I'm really stoked that, you know, we're able to kind of do it today. So there is a silver lining, I guess, to it. There is. Yeah. We're doing this on Sunday and Sunday and Tuesday are usually big trailer drop days, uh, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, like they, I think traditionally, with, um, traditionally, yeah, you know, usually they try to line up like movie trailers with movies and stuff coming out like the Thursday night or something like that. So we're we're so used to seeing like Thursday drop of trailers, just so that those trailers will then play in front of like movie premieres and stuff. But uh, lately, they've been kind of uh, improvising and finding ways to release them. They're like, oh, by the way, there's an Eagles game. Maybe we'll release a trailer then of something, you know. So there is always some form of uh, capitalizing on the moment. And it's more prevalent now because of the SAG strike and such. Sure. It's not like, you know, there's no talk shows happening where they can actually promote it. You know, you used to see what Jimmy Kimmel dropped the Marvel trailers like early. You know, so like we're not we're getting less of that and more along the lines of you get those Tuesday drops, those those weekend drops and stuff. And something we've been seeing a lot more, uh, actually a lot more lately is like those teasers, the tease of a tease before the teaser trailer. Right. <laughs> so, you know, we'll talk about it. Uh, one one, for example, that just kind of happened was the Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. No one really knew it was coming out. We just finished a trilogy, and boom, you got like a seven-second tease of a tease. You're like, oh, wait, that's coming out. And it was just a, it was just literally like a little cut down from the what ended up being the teaser trailer. So that was really cool. Um, but yeah, man, other than that, we just wrapped up Halloween and everything. Everything was great with you over there? Yeah, it's, it's good to be done with Halloween. I, I mean, I love the Halloween season, but there's just yeah. so much going on with like decorating and planning and having to be themed and everything's a theme it's we're in this like we're in this like three month holiday that just doesn't end with thanksgiving and then christmas yeah i'm just yeah i'm I'm ready to go back to like march where i don't need to think about (laughs) holidays for another few months yeah bro well march is uh saint patrick's day and um my wife decorates the entire house in green uh, mine <laughs> we too whole I, bin. we've got like storage units filled with uh decorations for every holiday so i i know yeah. it's it's never ending over here um but yeah, yeah well we, love it. we already kind of we kind of planned it at the end of august we kind of had cold sweat thinking about the holiday run and stuff because 
from September for us with my kid's birthday. Then we roll right into Halloween season. And then literally the day after Halloween, we already put down all the decorations. And then we put up the pine cones and the autumn leaves. And nice. because I live in Southern California, it's not like we have a lot of like seasonal changes here. Like the trees don't change colors here. They just they just stay green all year round. So we put up our own leaves and did the pine cones and the candles. And now everything is fall decorated. So I'll, uh, I'll go outside and mail you some leaves from my yard. <laughs> so you can have some dead leaves yeah yeah so like you know when i see pictures of other like states and stuff having like oh the nice pumpkin lattes and the fall leaves and stuff like that i don't really get it because like for example today is like 88 degrees today right and i spent the entire day barbecuing outside and um, i just bought like a a kid's axe throwing, uh, you know, a setup just so we can play. And we were all outside wearing shorts and stuff. So it's hard for me to feel the fall. So like, we're just forcing it. We're like, okay, cinnamon pine cone smell inside the house and everything. So that's, that's what we're doing, man. Yeah, and just lights right and candles. That, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like candles. And then to be honest, it's like, you know, right after this, um, Thanksgiving is already barely celebrated as it is. We're already going right into Christmas. And then after Christmas, when we have the rest of the year of stuff, you know, between New Year's, St. Patrick's Day, then hell, you got Mother's Day and Father's Day and stuff. So <sighs> this is uh, holiday therapy with Brian and Brian. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. You know, um, it's it, it's always wild. But other than that, other than the holidays and all that stress, been doing anything lately been playing anything lately i i've been playing a little bit of shadows of the colossus on playstation only because one of the other podcasts that i like to listen to called get played they did a uh, a we play you play of the game and so i wanted to be able to listen to the episode so i played some of the game um, so it wouldn't be totally spoiled but yeah i mean other than that not really playing much. I'm doing a rewatch of the X Files. Man, the X Files. I think there was an editor who's really into X Files. I always see them post about on Instagram. I think it's Lyle over here at okay. Zealot. Yeah, he's just super into X Files. And my wife was a huge X Files fan. So I feel it. That's cool, man. Yeah, growing up, that was like my Sunday night is like, get excited for the X Files, you know? And then it, it always used to be that football would run late. So the episode yeah. of the X-Files wouldn't start until like 9.07 or like 9.20 or like sometimes not at all. And it would suck. So I, I think I hated football for a long time just because, <laughs> because of its effect on the X-Files. Oh, I feel it. It's kind of like a Saturday morning cartoons was always rudely interrupted by Soul Train afterwards. <laughs> and because of that, I will never look at Soul, Soul Train was always the mark of the end of Saturday morning cartoons for me. Like I'd be watching it'd be all my shows and afterward be like Soul Train comes on. I'm like, oh, all right, well, there, there's my Saturday done. You know, I feel that, man. You know what game I've been playing? I do. You might know. <laughs> well, I've been I've been playing a lot, a lot. A lot of Spider-Man 2. Just ridiculous. I know that I'm, anyone that knows, I'm a gigantic Spider-Man fan. I've grown up with it. I still have all of my old encyclopedias of Spider-Man. Like, literally right here is just Spider-Man stuff. Newspapers of the pre-order bonus of the last Spider-Man game. I was at the midnight for it. Awesome. And, and you know, it's funny. I uh, didn't... 
I didn't know if I was going to get the second one just because I'm like, man, the first the first one that came out in 2018 was so perfect that I don't know what else they can do to it. And my goodness, it's it's great. The fact that there's no loading screens or, you know, any stopping time. Literally, if I turn on my PS5, it takes me under a minute to just get into the game and play. And once I'm playing, that's it. Like, it's seamless. There's no loading screen, which is crazy because I just came from Starfield. <laughs> That you know, it gave you a loading screen to open your menu. You yeah. Know? So, oh boy. Um. Yeah. So I've been really enjoying that. Um. And I don't. I think that'll be the last new game I play in 2023, which is crazy because I started this year with Hogwarts Legacy, and now I'm ending it with Spider Man Two. So it's been the year, the year of games. It's been such a good, good season for games, and it's gonna be crazy what the the game of the year is gonna be. I don't even know anymore. Like, but to be honest, if you ask me that in January, February, I'm like, oh, it's Hogwarts Legacy. And then I'm like, oh, maybe it's Tears of the Kingdom, Legend of Zelda. And then I'm like, mm, maybe it's Boulder's Great, you know? I there are for sure what isn't gonna win. And there are there's really close right. contenders and stuff. Politically, I think it might come down to Spider-Man versus Zelda. You know? Probably, yeah. It's gonna depend on what outlet is covering it. But those yeah. are those are gonna no. be two that show up a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I kinda I kinda hope Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven gets a, a little, you know, a little love this year. Or at least the at least the DLC. No, definitely. I don't think that they'll ever do like a best redemption because they definitely don't want that to be a trend. They don't want anything to ever feel like it has to redeem themselves, like No Man's Sky. Two or years Cyberpunk after it's released, yeah. they finally fix it. Yeah, but it's like I definitely it would be an interesting end of a chapter for them to win like best narrative or something, you know, like if for it to come for out Phantom Liberty. Yeah. For Phantom Liberty, having the best narrative for a game, which it's hard because it's like an eight hour campaign versus, I don't know, 30, 40 hours of any other game. But right. it's like, I, even if they got nominated, I feel like I'd be pretty proud of them. Yeah. Let's hope. Cause I mean, that's just such a great rebound for them. Yeah, no, totally. Other than the games we've been playing and the shows we've been watching, this has been a pretty good week of trailers, too. Um, I feel like, you know, uh, this is a good week in terms of not just, like, streaming networks dropping trailers all the time. And this is definitely, to at least two of these are just, you know, they're going to be mega blockbusters. So Just huge studio tentpole releases, for sure. Yeah, no, seriously. And anyone that knows... I kind of stray away from head flower type posters and I love giant bold posters. And one of these films has a really awesome poster that we'll get into. Um, But yeah, the first trailer that we're going to talk about today is the fall guy, which is, you know, a trailer that came out um, was cut by transit and Charles Yee was the trailer was uh, the trailer editor on that one. And anyone that saw it, it was a great trailer featuring Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt. And uh, yeah, it was a uh, a custom custom remix of Bon Jovi. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was like a three and a half minute epic trailerization of Bon Jovi. It was crazy. There's so much going on for like three and a half minutes. It was uh, a custom a lot of work. Cavalry. Yeah, a lot of work there, Cavalry. Great, great job. 
Yeah, it was a great, great work on them on this one. Just because, like I was talking about with the Killers trailer last week and stuff, it's really easy for a song to kind of overstay its welcome sometimes. And you you tend to lose that kind of steam, especially when you're trying to get into the meat of the story and you're trying to make your way back and stuff. Inherently, you wouldn't think Bon Jovi could carry the steam on that, but the trailerization of it really kind of helped the whole thing move along. And I absolutely love the bold texts and graphics that they've gone with this one is just, yeah. they're just trying to show you the sort of scale of the film. And you know, it's gonna, it's, it's a good time. I don't know. I kind of like Ryan Gosling in some of these like uh, more comedic roles, you know, I, I don't know. I dig it. Gosling's great. He's great. Uh, any, anytime we can see him in a movie, I, I'm excited because he is an interesting actor. I mean, anything from like Blade Runner, to jeez, yeah. i mean barbie come on <laughs> he's he's got some range and you're right his comedic timing is great um and it's good to see him do some more of that for sure yeah he's a extremely memeable person in terms of the roles that he takes on and the over exaggerated comedic timing he kind of presents this because he's you wouldn't really think of him like if you saw him in some of his earlier work you wouldn't think that he's gonna be like a particularly funny guy kind of like channing tatum you wouldn't really think of them as funny people so when, yeah. you, when they actually nail it it's just it's almost so jarring that it makes it even funnier i think um, maybe his yeah. best role is what the the other guy wait the good guys good guys the one with um with russell crowe and oh yeah yeah uh, was that shane black i think directed that movie where they're uh he's a private detective yeah that that was that was an excellent one and like he he followed up that movie with like la la land you know like oh, so yeah. like he, he he's just he's just across the board just really just he he's really quick with it i think his agents uh find him really great work and i think that he delivers it whether it's a whether 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 it's a giant action movie like this one where it's kind of meta, he's playing a like a sun devil, you know, right? Um, and or he's playing like a piano player, or he's playing you know a detective or something like that. I think that it's overall a good time, but because he's so versatile, it makes marketing for a movie like this really hard, you know, because you're like, what side of him do we showcase, and what side of him is actually more popular among the common demographic especially when it comes to like testing and stuff so i think they nailed it i think it's a great song choice i think uh overall i think um everyone did a really good job on this one and shout out also to uh space cowboy because they're the ones that uh produced that uh custom oh, calvary yeah so shout out to Naaman. <laughs> sweet and this has been ryan gosson therapy with brian and brian <laughs> yeah, I'll talk about Ryan Gosling. Let's just make a podcast where we talk about Ryan Gosling for like three hours a day. We'll do that for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the next one that we want to talk about is Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, uh, which is the teaser that just dropped 20th Century. Yeah. yeah also, music by Cavalry. Busy yeah. bees over there. Yeah. And this one was cut by The Hive, which is the Disney in-house. Yeah, it was... Uh... It was an excellent trailer. And you know what? I appreciate any teaser trailer that's under two minutes long. <laughs> yeah. And it, it wasn't a trailerization or a remix of a popular song. It was just yeah. really good orchestral music. Yeah. It really reminds me of the final trailer Calvary did for Avatar, where it not only brings the sense of scale, because it's hard. I think that a lot of people should kind of take note of this because 
a lot of times when you're trying to write these fantastical, whimsical fantasy type cues and stuff, it kind of leans on the bright side. It leans on the hopeful side and stuff. And a lot of times something like that comes across really one dimensional, but something that they've always brought, no matter what sort of original or trailerization or anything they've really done is their tasteful um, choices of harmony that leans everything to this sort of somber sort of mel- not melancholy, because I feel like that's understating it, but like it gives this broader sense of, almost danger to the actual project so it's like dark fantasy without the whimsical to it and i think that they do a really good job balancing it and they've been really successful at doing it especially on campaigns like this or after so when i saw that they actually got i wasn't really i wasn't even surprised i was like this is a very cavalry type project that they got to work on they, they just they always bring it and it's uh you know guys like us we need to compete with that and it's <laughs> it's a a humbling humbling process when you get these two trailers like the fall guy and planet of the apes and you're like oh okay well yeah time, time to time to upper game and you know also note that they both came out like at the same time like the same day like the same day like an hour apart. guys calm down calm down <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's 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 a it's definitely a really really good one and i think um me being a huge fan of the the trilogy, which is the one the one that started with James Franco and then ended um, uh, just recently, and they've always done like a huge giant score. I remember one of the trailers. I think it was for not Rise of the Planet of the Apes, but it was like uh, the last one of the trilogy. They used this song called Furies by Really Slow Motion, oh, and yeah. it really brought that vibe. And this is legitimately kind of like taking that and elevating it to the next level and stuff. So. I'm I'm glad they didn't go with the song for this was one. Was that just Daniel Baybaum's cue? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. Yeah, it's shout out. Daniel. It's a good one, and I've heard I've heard it as referenced many times before, and it's one of those cues that it's so synonymous now with that trailer. So it's a good one. Um, yeah, but you know, that's like a monster movie. But you know, another monster movie that just dropped a trailer. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, it I think we talked about it. My- we we referenced sorry I cut you off we referenced it a week or two ago when we were talking about yeah. Godzilla movies right and it's uh, sorry yeah. Godzilla minus one yeah it's uh, you know we talked about it with legendary kind of uh, expanding out its IP and stuff of of Godzilla we had the Monarch and then um, you know on Warner Brothers slated we have another Godzilla Kong and versus Kong movie coming out and then. Yeah. And then now we have this Godzilla minus one, which a lot of people saw the trailer and they're like, wait, there's another Godzilla movie. And it's actually like the original Godzilla from like what the eighties. It's like the faithful sequel to that. It's the same studio. It's, it's a Japanese uh, movie. It's completely done in Japanese language. So it's a faithful sequel to it. And uh, yeah, it's a really good one. Um, it was cut by uh, the team over at rebel and um the custom team was gothic storm so good job on everybody yeah great week for trailers really great week for trailers um we probably could spend another hour or two going over some of the other trailers that dropped this week but you know we'll save them for next week just in case (laughs) just in case nothing else (laughs) drops yeah it's you know and it's hard. Uh, maybe one day when we're so big, we'll get like a schedule, like a schedule list from like movie studios on what trailers are coming out so that we can prepare yeah, we, uh, information about them. One that, day. I, I need that because if I don't have notes in front of me, I can't remember the name of the queue from, <laughs> from yesterday. I, 
I think I joked with you. It's I took too many uh, malaria pills when I was in the Marines. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my brain just doesn't work like it ought to. You know, it's funny. I work better when I kind of have it to glance at, but I think I feel like I'm semi dyslexic because sometimes I stare at this. I'm like, wait, what does this say? What am I supposed to say about this? So it's a uh, it's a good blend of the two. I feel like I do better when it's just like away from me, and I'm just sort of just spouting out what I think about it, you know. So, for this section of our podcast, this episode, we were kind of going back and forth, and we were like, what do we talk about, you know? What do we talk about that I feel like is important for composers that are trying to get work? Because that's the core of this podcast, is not only to kind of, you know, sort of educate you through the process of what the trailers are and what our opinions on the trailers are. At the end of the day, we want to be able to foster this sort of... um kind of educational platform for our composers so the main topic i um you know i wanted to talk about was tough skin and longevity which i feel like is a very important topic wouldn't you say it's super important uh it's this is one of these industries where you really can't be precious about the things that you create because there are so many other people above that are going to have a say in how it's used you know it's not like you're recording your album with your band and you need this to be your artistic, you know, vision and no one can change anything. It's just, that's just not the way this is. You've got producers like us that are sending it to music supervisors that are sending it to their producers and editors and, and going through and going up to the studios. There's so many people are going to touch it by the time it finishes that it's sometimes barely recognizable as what it started with. Yeah, and as wonderful as it might be to finish a trailer at V1 and call it a day and stuff, I feel like I've learned the most about this industry from the projects that did not necessarily be V1, V5, or even V8. You know, it's like those projects to me have always been a teaching moment for me, and I feel like I've always kind of gone about it the same way as, uh, I don't know, as I guess a vendor would to a studio client because – for us, and I've always done it this way also, even if I feel personally frustrated or annoyed at a note, I just kind of persevere through it because at the same time, the person that's giving you the notes probably are getting those notes from higher up and higher up and higher up. It's like this ladder call. you know. There's this hierarchy to how all this works. And I know that um, I remember seeing on the forum that someone was kind of talking about how they were kind of frustrated with they thought their V1 sounded the best and they were just kind of annoyed about doing notes. And in yeah. my head, I'm like, I wanted to bring this up. I'm glad you yeah, did. Yeah, exactly. So like from my perspective, going about that, I'm like, not only are you going to get notes from the immediate producer that's working on the project, whether it's an album or an editor or anything like that, but we're, we're getting these notes also from the music supervisor or the producer of this project. So, like we have to be able to deliver and to showcase that we can actually listen to what their notes are, even if we might not agree with them, you know, and at the end of the day, it's to service something that we might not be able to see because they might be giving a note that's directly correlated to footage or, you know, the tonality or the dynamic level of the picture and trying to relay that over with 
with written words for us to be able to perceive. But it's like, you know, we don't really know the inner works and what's happening over there. So we just got to take their words, you know, we just got to trust it. And at the same time, I feel like the composers that have the most longevity with me are the composers that completely trust me and trust the process and understand that I will always be super transparent with them about why I'm doing these notes. But at the same time, they, if I'm asking for them, they just kind of, you know, they kind of got to get done. Right. Yeah. They, they need to get finished. You know, I think every publisher kind of has a different style for how they're giving yeah. feedback and how they're giving notes. Um, I, I know like you do a lot of like voice memos and are very like direct with, with all your note giving where yeah. I'm like, I'm a, I'm like more diplomatic and like, um, I don't know, maybe like use like techniques from raising three kids where I'm like, well, you know, I feel like maybe we could try this. And yeah, what about if you did this and then how about doing this? Um, and, you know, but I also am like, Hey, try this. And if it doesn't work, then, then let me know, you know, cause sometimes I have ideas for things in mm-hmm. my head. And when you're actually there with the keyboard and the, you know, all the programs, it just might not work. You know, my theory just might not work. So if it's not working, hey, then, you know, we'll try yeah. something different. But um, I've learned to uh, remove so many verbiage from my emails or written speech when I'm writing or talking to someone. I try not to use I think or maybe yeah. or any of those things. One, I've learned that when I say I think this might work or I think this could be cool, uh, um, vendors kind of get kind of uh, uh, they have this wall up already. And it's always hard because it's most of this is spec work. So it's easy for them to be like, I'm just going to call someone else and have them work on it, too. I try to avoid that. So every single verbiage I give to clients, it's always like that sounds like a plan. I'm on it. Oh, yeah. I'm talking about talking to composers. It's definitely different. Yeah. But then that's how it relates to I I do the same exact thing when I talk to composers and stuff. And I'm like, this is going to work. This is what we should do. And that's what my voice memos are kind of structured at. And I'm very I'm very like hands on and like what I like and what I don't like. And I think maybe it's different for other people, but the only the main reason why I do that is because if I feel like this is a tangible piece that I'm very excited about, it's easier for me to defend it when I'm working with, let's say, a music supervisor. And I'm like, this is cool. This is doing this and this and this and is doing all these things. And like, we got this whole B section that has a signature sound and yada, yada. It makes me feel like I'm a little bit more a part of the process. So it's easier for me to kind of hype the client on it if I'm hyped on it myself. So it's hard for me to like... It, it's not even so much about choosing the battles for me. I choose all the battles when I'm working on a custom with someone because at the end of the day, I might, you know, might not have options. So this might be my my only version that I send to the client. And yeah, I just got to make sure that uh, it's where I kind of want it to be. I don't know. Yeah. And I'm, I'm talking more for, uh, for what I'm talking about is more of like album stuff than customs because yeah it's true if, if we're doing customs then i know what the notes are and i know what the changes have to be and it's it's less of that like throwing ideas around and me like trying to think you know yeah outside the box to get something interesting for an album yeah yeah for for a custom i'm very much like okay here's what we need to do because yeah. we need this yeah this exactly and, you know um but yeah when when it's just me coming up with ideas then then i'm tr- I'll try to be more diplomatic <laughs> because 
you know, we're, we're trying ideas out and I don't, I don't want to get to V15 for an album track. Um, <laughs> I get then, it. Then you get some burnout, it. you know? That's true. You know, so you have to be able to balance that with like, you know, it's, it's definitely interesting because it's different on the custom world because it's like directly correlated to a project. Whereas an album, you're doing all this work to go into an album that can then be pitched for a project, you know? So you definitely want to delegate your time differently. You know, there's, there's a certain set of allocated hours that you can work on a project before you're just like, okay, this is fine. Now we're getting to an overproduction standpoint. Yeah, for sure. I get it. As far as longevity goes, you know, you, we want composers to to be successful and we want them to have a long career and be able to do this full time. You know, a lot of people out there are doing this part time and trying to get out of a day job. Um, yeah. But, you know, they're taking too many customs that don't finish because they're like, you know, uh, someone else was talking about that on Facebook the other day about what percentage of customs finish. You know, if someone if someone quotes what percentage of those actually goes through and all these different things that we can get into at another time. But, um, you know, some people just might be working on a lot of stuff that isn't finishing and then they get frustrated and they don't want to do it anymore. And, or they're working on too many albums for too many different publishers or, you know, trying to do all this stuff while supporting a family and, and working day jobs. So, yeah, I mean, I get why there's burnout. Yeah. You know, there, there wouldn't be such a word. Maybe there would be, maybe there would be, um, but I feel like it'd be less likely for a composer to get burnout if they were making like a solid income every single month from music. And I feel like the people that have it the hardest aren't necessarily the full-time custom writers. It's the part-time custom writers, the part-time custom writers that are really good. Those are, I feel like those are the hardest to kind of, uh, find jobs for that will finish consistently. Cause for example, a lot of our full-time composers here and stuff like that, they, they, they make a killing. And I think a lot of it is because of our tiered system. And I think that I strongly recommend all custom composers do this and just really separate out your work by four different tiers, whether it's a tier one, which is the giant theatrical projects. It's the high risk, high dollar projects. And then you got your tier twos, which is like the streaming service trailers. Mm-hmm less pay less competition less risk below that's tv spot stuff below that's video game and then below that's like home entertainment so you got like all these tiers and stuff and the lower the dollar amount for the project the higher the chances are that it's gonna win so if you're coming at it from a business standpoint and stuff and you're part-time and you're just like i come in i just want to do all the big ones i just want to do the big warner brothers and the big sony projects do nothing else though because i've had that before where they like i only want to work on the big stuff but i can only work like once a month you know which is fine because it's probably not going to finish and then you're going to be frustrated that your success ratio win to loss ratio is so low yeah exactly so you're looking at it retrospectively after 12 months and you're just like wait Maybe one of them went through. Maybe, maybe one of them got downgraded to AMXT. Right. Maybe something happened. But like the composers that are full time with me and then are able to work, we do a one for them, one for us type situation where it's like, I, I'll ask them, like, what movies do you really want to work on? And they'll give me a list of stuff and I'll put them on it. 
but I'll also put them on like the smaller stuff too to weigh it out. So if they do a tier one project, the next project is going to be a tier two or tier three. If they're just doing tier three stuff, maybe I'll lower it down to tier four, tier five, and then sprinkle in those tier one projects because they're not going to care. Well, maybe they will, but maybe they won't care if like one, their tier one projects don't finish after three months when they landed like 50 other uh, projects that's paying their bills right now. You know, so like that's our way to kind of prevent burnout to an extent. But I definitely see the burnout from the composers that are working part time on it because they're dedicating X amount of hours. But it's hard because they're only working on that one project and there's not there's no other leeway that's going to be feeding their salary. Yeah, you you brought up an interesting point there with composers giving you a list of things that they want to work on. Yeah. You know, I think that's so great. It, right now, it's kind of hard to tell because things have been pushed and the schedules are weird. And it's like, yeah. what's coming out this year? What's coming out next year? What's getting pushed? Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely something I wanted to focus on at one point in another episode or like TikTok or something is, uh, you know, I, I love it when composers send me a list of things that they want to work on. Yeah. Because that pushes me to go get that for them. Just like we've talked about me personally going after projects that I really feel strongly about. And I go out and, you know, I'm more successful landing those trailers because I'm so passionate about it. And I'm putting in a lot of work in the back. Uh, same thing with, with, you know, composers send me, Hey, I want to work on, you know, this next year, or, you know, here are these movies coming out. Like do that. Send, send those lists to publishers. Yes. I, I have one composer. He sends me a list every year or so and it's the same excel sheet that he just updates and stuff and i was really proud when we, like last year the year before we crossed off the last mm. project on that list and he got to work on every single one of them and land on every single one of wow. them and like i said like you just said them being excited about working on that excites you to want to get that particular project and I feel like when I get that list from composers and stuff, it kind of lets me know where their mindset's at. If they're only writing down all the big giant orchestral stuff, mm-hmm. like, like, dang, dude, like you're you're probably gonna have to like brush up on those orchestral things to make sure those are on point, and they probably are if those are the projects they're aiming for. And then you get someone that just wants to do all the list of horror stuff. So in my mind, I'm like, all right, well, they're the horror writers then, yeah. you know. So it kind of shifts my perspective and mindset to where they are also and then you know it kind of motivates me and you can kind of honestly you can kind of trend out who what vendor is going to get it to ask you know to ask for them you know like you're like oh well it's a24 there's probably only like two or three vendors that really actively work on a24 projects so you know that out of the list of 50 houses you only really have to ask like two or three of them like hey do you guys can get this in you know so totally yeah. So, yep. yeah. Recommend it, man. Everyone should um, bring out those uh, lists. Just list out like five movies you really want. You know, it's hard. And it's it's a different kind of goal because these are goals with time limits. You know, like yes. being a yeah. good writer, landing your first placement, whatever. Those are those are good goals to have, but there's not necessarily a time limit. But these campaigns, they're kind, they're going to come and go whether you're on it or not. So you might as well, you know list them out and try going for them. And it gives you that. I feel like composers, when they work on a project they really want also, gives them that extra motivating push to put that special sauce in it, you know, because they want it to finish. So thousand percent, thousand percent. Yeah. I mean, you just Google it, Google, you know, movie releases for 2024 and you're going to get a list and then look through that list, write down the ones that you're super passionate about 
And, you know, maybe that fall into like your skill set, like you said, some are like horror and some are like, you know, this big orchestral, yeah. like family movies or something like that. And yeah, send those lists over. Do a movie is on my list that I want to get, but I probably won't, but I'm, I'm really trying and I would personally write on it if I got it in. Hit I'll me. tell you. It's Gundam Wing, live action, <laughs> Netflix. <laughs> I I heard that it was in production like two years ago, and I kid you not. Anytime someone calls me, I'm like, "You're gonna get Gundam Wing on? <laughs> You're gonna get Gundam Wing in at any point?" And he, they're like, "No." I'm like, "God damn!" You know what that is for me right now? Salem's what? Lot, Stephen King, Salem's Lot, <laughs> and there's so much <laughs> crap going be. around about that right now. Have you seen all the all the articles yeah. that's being pushed? Yeah. And maybe it's going straight to streamers and. Oh, totally. Stephen King came out and was like, you know, he's seen it. So he was like saying, you know, it's a faithful adaptation. There's some things I wouldn't have done, but, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I just reread that a few weeks ago. And, uh, you know, I love doing horror. So I'm like, ah, who's working on this movie that nobody wants you, to watch except dude, for me? If anyone's going to land it, it's you. <laughs> yeah, let's hope. Um, I think the last horror custom I did was like the monsters, you know? <laughs> 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 and and I remember it was like a campaign that so many people were so passionate about when it came out, and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh wow, like I didn't know about it until it came out, but I, you know, like we talked about last month, is just I don't I didn't come from a huge horror background, so like, like for example, I just watched The Shining like last year for the first time, nice. you know, so. Um, oh, also, I would definitely love to work on One Piece season two. Just letting it, just letting the world know, uh, I would die on that hill. I would, I would literally slave for One Piece season two. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> yeah, it'll this, this 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 podcast is just going to be us self marketing ourselves. <laughs> hey, why not? No, but uh, but yeah, man, uh, that is. That is our main topic, and honestly, we always, you know, if any composers have questions on it, yeah, I reach out. Just, yeah, reach out to our Discord, reach out on Facebook, whichever, and we also have our email set up, just letting you guys know. But um, I just did a Friday kind of composer talk on Zoom with uh, a few composers and stuff, and that was actually the main topic we talked about was longevity and just the general workflow, you know, just because oh, not a lot of people think about it, so it's it's something so you know be sure to join our discord on that just because we might be doing those like one-on-one sessions i tried to get into that zoom and you would let me in (laughs) so we were we were there for like two hours and i had only planned to be on it for like an hour and uh two hours had gone by and i realized i was really thirsty and like my throat was really really dry and i'm like all right i think i'm done especially since it was like the middle of the day and i needed to work so i was like all right i'm gonna get off and then as soon as we were leaving i saw your name (laughs) pop up on the top and I'm like, let's. I took a screenshot of it, and we're all just kind of smiling at it. But like, we're like, all right, well, we, we got to go anyways. Maybe next yeah, time. I was just joking. I saw it was on there. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna sneak in here at the last minute and just be a jerk for a second and leave. <laughs> Jokes on you. You didn't even get in. <laughs> I didn't. I, I didn't want to be a part of any club that would have me as a member. Yeah. Well, you know, it's you're like the father of the of the club anyways because you're the one who controls the discord (laughs) (laughs) that's right i still have to lead it yeah yeah exactly so but yeah that's that was our main topic if anyone has any questions that they want us to elaborate on or anything like that we can always expand on it in another episode but yeah we we definitely can get back to it we'll we'll come back to it later um so yeah send us an email help at trailer therapy pod 
com or you know jump on the discord or facebook or whatever and yeah let us know um, how you feel about it what your experiences are with it and uh, we'll definitely address that down the road because it's it's definitely. never ending it's longevity <laughs> exactly we're we're, we're going to be uh, sending out some uh, free stickers this this week also <laughs> to some of our discord you know i bought I bought so many of them when the merch store went live and it was like a month later and I was like super pissed because you had gotten your stickers. I'm like, where's our stickers? Where's my stickers? And then um, the other day I went to go check my mailbox and it's my mailbox is like a block down with everyone else's mailbox. And I opened it. Not only was my property tax and all that stuff in there, which is all fun stuff. It was definitely a good trick or treat gift, but uh, it was uh, also an envelope stuffed like entirely stuffed as if it was filled with hundred dollar bills or something Beautiful. but i open it with just stickers so uh we have a lot of stickers <laughs> so i'm gonna be uh handing them out to our discord uh followers they can buy them they can buy them i had already bought them so we're gonna make money out of anyway. <laughs> so the, the, this this stack this stack is gonna go out to only our discord followers we're such capitalists or I'm, I'm the capitalist. You're like, no, I'll just send them out. I'm like, no, go to this website. Pay for them. <laughs> we'll get two cents off of every sale. That'll help support the podcast. Yeah, you're going to see like $15 into your bank account from all the stickers I bought. And they were like 20 cents a piece. <laughs> we have a whole question block section of our podcast right now. And I'll let you lead it off. Awesome. Yeah. We need to come up with names for these uh, segments. So that we'll be like, hey, welcome to question time. I don't know. Yeah. So we have a little hi-hat theme that goes on and stuff. Maybe we can just add lyrics to it. Like, question time. <laughs> question time with Brian Bry. <laughs> this week's question so. comes from Arvid Salitis via Spotify. He uh, yeah, left us a message on Spotify, which is interesting. He said, you mentioned previously waveforms being crucial to catch an editor's eye. How important are song titles and artwork? So uh, I'll kick it to you. Okay. Well, how important are song titles and artwork? Man, I I feel like I've, you know, flip-flopped so much on this. But where I am at right now is, especially depending on the size of a library and stuff, if you're looking at a small boutique shop or a, you know, a gigantic um, machine, it does depend. Artwork, I don't think it's really relevant. I don't, I don't, I actually don't ever think artwork's relevant because um, when uh, editors see it, it's a small little tiny thing on their laptop screen or their screen. 25 pixel not, thumbnail. Yeah. It's a 25 pixel thumbnail. And um, I haven't seen any giant dips or growth depending on the amount of money we've spent on artwork. And totally. one of our most successful albums is literally just a black wallpaper. <laughs> right. That that has one in Roman numerals on it. And that that's it. That's the artwork. And that one, for some reason, has done so exceedingly well. And some of our most involved artwork ever, I feel like it's just kind of, it's just kind of there. And I don't know. It's hard because I feel like the simpler the artwork, the better because it kind of puts you less along the lines of like a production library or something like that and more along the lines of like this really upscale. I don't know. It, it's, there's power in minimalism for me at least. For song titles, I always, I don't know. I name my songs 
either two ways. If I'm if it's a custom and I have to like custom original and I'm naming something, I probably name it something really ridiculous that's almost like an inside joke to the editor or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Like when I worked on a track, I named it McCauliflower Culkin. It was for a cooking show. And then I did a follow-up track. I named it uh, uh, Mandy S'more. And then uh, and then following that, I did Danny Dorito. And all three of those <laughs> <I> finished. <see. laughs> so it, it definitely does depend. But for catalog stuff, I do uh, I do feel like the naming convention is really, really uh, relevant. Um, not only for the catalog rep that's working on this that might be pulling music really quickly and they – you got to think sometimes there's like a two, three hour window that you have to pull music together and stuff. And sure, you're listening to everything. Right. But if something kind of really catches your eye on what it's supposed to sound like, you know, like I have this one track. It's called Iridescent Collision. And in your head, you can already kind of picture what the song is. It's like, oh, this can probably be some hopeful sci-fi cue, space opera sci-fi cue. And it is. So, like, because of that, you're able to click it, listen to it, and send it out. So I feel like song titles are super important. Artwork, I don't really care. Honestly, I don't really care about artwork. Like, I, I don't think that it ever drives me to listen to something from how good the artwork is. Yep, I'm the same way. I love artwork. I think it's fun. Um, sometimes it inspires me. I do a lot of our own artwork um, because it's fun and inspires me, you know? Yeah. But I don't think it's super important. It's not being pressed onto 12 inch vinyl and shipped out across the country to put on record stores. Exactly. Like you said, if anyone's looking at it on the client side, it's going to be a tiny little thumbnail in their iTunes or whatever they're working on. Um, so it's, yeah, some, sometimes I'll have that in mind and we'll do like different color that are prominent just so it, it's easier to organize. But yeah, for the most part, it's, it's more just for fun and for the composers to have something cool to put on their Facebook page. Um, yeah. But yeah, the only time we're they're seeing it is when we send it out in like an email blast when we release the album and then it's like a 500 pixel image. Yeah, so I mean artwork's cool. It's fun, but You actually yeah, you you put up a really good point and I did, I totally disregarded it, but like um the the reason why you put so much effort in your artwork is for your composers because they put that much effort into the actual music is for something to have as part of their reel or their yeah. LinkedIn or their social media posts to be able to talk about without just them saying, I wrote an album and it's just like a black box, I guess. Right. And it's, you know, there's actually this tangible piece of art that is a fit, like almost like a physical manifestation of their work, you know? Yep. Yeah. It's something to be proud of. But it's not anything that is um, selling albums, you know. So it's you can you can have more fun with it and be a little more tongue in cheek and take some risks and do some some interesting things with it. We've done like we've done artwork that like has a uh, what are the optical illusions in the ugliest colors and like, yeah, you know the jokes always like they'll post it on their Facebook page and be like, oh, I'm blind, you know, like <laughs> uh, I feel sick, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> You know, so we like to do all sorts of different things. Yeah, that one hurt my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> um, as as far as song titles go, uh, yeah, I used to, um, I was actually just going through some old drives. I used to write music journalism for different magazines. And I was just like reading through some of the old reviews and interviews I've done. Um, and I like to like have fun with words. So for song titles, I... I do like to have fun, you know, like you're doing like puns and things like that. 
especially yeah. for um, sound effects. Love to have like a really weird, funny pun sound effect names uh, that are yeah. gonna catch you know catch someone's eye and just be like, I'm just gonna listen to this because it's got a really funny name or like it's really weird or something. Yeah, I went through. I I go through yearly phases when I'm doing customs myself, and I know exactly what year I did a custom based on what trend I use for naming. Mm-hmm. So if I look at anything from 2018 or 2017, 2018, they all have beats under it. So it'd be like, I'm working on the Pope or something and my customs called Vatican beats. And then <laughs> I'm working on something else. It's called funky beats or WTF beats. Everything has beats on it. My favorite was like cheese and potato beats. Like that's literally <laughs> the name of it. And then I got into food puns and then there was a existential period where I, I, I went a little deeper in meaning with my names and they didn't do any better or any worse than, <laughs> than my food puns. So it's, uh, you know, it's funny getting, album tracks from composers um they put so much work into these tracks and so much creativity and then so and you get so many tracks that are like revenge of the soldier or like you know (laughs) the hero arises um yeah (laughs) i have one composer i'm gonna call him out because he knows he'll be listening and i know that he'll know i'm talking about him but one of my most talented composers He's just amazing in so many ways, and he just does everything. But he cannot name a track worth anything. Like, he'd make the most beautiful track, and he called the track Bang Bros. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, why'd you call it Bang Bros? He's like, yeah, because they're like brothers banging drums. I'm like, you... Oh, no. So it's called Banging Brothers? And he's like, no, Bang Bros. Yeah, we changed that. I think the song's called Archer now or something. <laughs> like, he's not allowed to name anything anymore. My favorite is when composers will just send it to me that says like track one, track two, track three, knowing that I'll rename it. And and I'm happy that unless you've got some like super clear vision of like what the theme is and you're like really passionate about the title, um, I'd prefer maybe to do it. And one of the reasons is because we've got so many tracks in our catalog that there's going to be repetition. So we're going to have to change a lot anyways. Because yeah. there can only be so many like Revenge of the Soldiers. Um, <laughs> um, Existential, exoprimal. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so, you know, um, we're going to have to change those. Or or it'll be like, I get what you're thinking, and it's like really, you know, it means a lot to you, but it is weird for this album or for this, like, you know, genre. Or it like has like connotations that maybe you're not thinking of. Uh, you know, yeah. we both work with composers from all over the world, so sometimes culturally things won't work in other cultures. So we'll just be like, eh, yeah. you know, we're just going to change this up just to avoid any sort of like weirdness. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm just going to name a whole track hip hop Asian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I feel you, man. It's a it's a you know it's a balancing act, and I feel like. Either or, but I don't feel like it's extremely crucial, you know? I feel like just trust your publisher. If your publisher wants to get it renamed, then just go for it, you know? I feel like um, it's – if there's ever a question of, like, do I focus on my song titles or do I focus on the quality of my music? It's always the quality of your music, you know? Yeah. Everything else is just secondary anyways. Got to have a thick skin when it comes to song titles. Yeah, I'm sorry. Change them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So we also decided to ask um, someone from the client side, and we got 
and response from Joe Valero at Pool Party Creative. He says, waveforms are a great snapshot. I can look and see basically what I'm going to get. If I want a queue that starts and stops or a queue that has a big back end, I can see that in the waveforms. As far as song titles and artwork, they're more important than I'd like to admit. A catchy name and stylized art will get me to check out a queue for sure, especially if the track name has a corollary to the project. It seems like a sign. Sometimes it is, and many times it isn't. That's just my two cents. So, I mean, that's that's one person's opinion, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love that we went on this whole thing. We're like, yeah, song names and artwork not important. He's like, actually, they are. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but you know, like I, I think that's really interesting what he says. You know, if it mm-hmm. if it has a corollary to the project, then sometimes it, it seems like a sign, and you should check that out. You know, if you're doing a a movie called uh, Revenge of the Soldier, <laughs> and, yeah. and, and then you're like, oh, here's a track called Revenge of the Soldier. Yeah, I bet it sounds like, wow, exactly it was, like it was what meant I to be. Right. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, we used to do that my first year. We used to. Uh, because we didn't have a ton of catalog and stuff. And then uh, whenever we got a project in that they needed like a catalog queue or something like that, I'll put in parentheses like a special name for it just so that it latches on a little bit, you know? It's like, oh, we're working on Venom. I'm like, oh, this song's called Black Goo. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, especially you know? with customs. I'll I'll like, I'll go through some some effort and like actually research, you know, if it's like, like you yeah. said, if it's like Venom, I'll like go deep into like the Venom Spider-Man yeah, history and pull out some like obscure in joke that probably no one's going to get anyways, but yeah, exactly. You know, like, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Especially with that campaign and everything like that, we were just trying so many things. And then like a song that we used for the first trailer was just called like decimator, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it's like, we tried so hard and that was like the song name. So whatever. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that was Joe Valera at Pool Party. Yeah, thanks, Joe. I, I'm with you, man. I I think it's fun to have cool names and cool artwork. Uh, whether or not it's going to to fit and be that sign, you know, it, like you said, many times it isn't. But it's it could through some karmic mystical means be <laughs> just what he needs. Yeah, you know, that's why I keep trying to rename all my tracks. This would work great for Spider-Man, V1. <laughs> <laughs> all right, hey, thanks, Joe. Um, that about wraps us up. I think we've said all we need to say about artwork and song titles for the week. Yeah. Uh, I do the outro every week. Do you want to hit the outro and tell everyone all where right. to go? <laughs> uh, yeah. it up. Shake it off. Shake it off. All right, everybody. This is the end of the episode, but you know what? It's never the end. Please check out the rest of our stuff on Spotify, iTunes, anywhere that might have podcasts will probably have us. And be sure to leave us Apple reviews and five-star reviews and everything like that if you feel like we deserve it. And, uh, man, you always do this every week, so let me see. Also, be sure to join our Discord and like us on Facebook and do all that stuff and buy all our merch so that we can buy Bugattis and have vacations and stuff. More Bugattis. Um, Yeah, yeah. You know, we need more. We want matching ones, and in order to do that, we need to sell about 300,000 stickers (laughs) to make the down payment. So um, be sure to uh, support us. (laughs) Yeah, and send us your questions. Yes. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And send us questions 
by any forms necessary by Raven or by Discord. And we will be sure to answer all of them in the next episode of Trailer Therapy Podcast. Cue the music. Yeah, cue the outro. Question time, question time with Brian Brian. 